Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. From the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Tuesday, January 3rd, 2023. Coming up this hour. Stocks kick off the new year with gains after a dismal 2022. The IMF warns a third of the world economy to be in recession this year. China's Xi Jinping says tough challenges remain in the country's fight against COVID. And Tesla delivers fewer vehicles than expected in the fourth quarter. The man charged with shooting up a New York subway car will be in court. Plus, Brazilian authorities are reopening a fraud case against Representative Alexa. Santos. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stanchower in sports. The Knicks and Nets won the Bills-Bengals game postponed after a Buffalo player went into cardiac arrest. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak on Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 99.1 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning and Happy New Year. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures are higher this morning. And we check the markets all day long here on Bloomberg. S&P futures up 43 points or 1.1%. Dow futures up 1% or 338 points. And NASDAQ futures up 1.3% or 140 points. And the 10-year Treasury up 1 in 5.30 seconds, yield 3.73%. Nathan. Karen, let's stay with markets as we kick off this new year. Investors seem to be glad 2022 is in the rearview mirror. Bloomberg Steve Rappaport joins us live with more. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, Nathan and Karen. Wall Street futures point to a higher opening as investors cautiously ring in the new trading year. They're keeping a close eye on global equities, having lost 20% in value after sharp swings last year. Then there's the dreaded I-word and what to do about it. Traders worry the Federal Reserve and other central banks might be willing to risk a recession to bring down inflation that remains stubbornly high. We'll get a better look at the Fed's thinking on Thursday when policymakers release notes from their latest meeting. Live in New York, I'm Steve Rappaport, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Steve, thank you. Well, it's the first day of trading for stocks in London, and let's go there live and get the latest from Bloomberg Daybreak Europe anchor Stephen Carroll. Stephen, good morning. Good morning, Karen and Nathan. The London market joining in that New Year rally. Shares in the FTSE 100 up 2.3% two hours into the trading session. The top performers on the British market include the food delivery service, Acado, British Airways owner IAG, as well as the oil majors BP and Shell. We've got a second day of gains across other European markets. The stock's 600 up 1.8%. The CAC 40 in Paris and the DAX in Frankfurt both up 1.4%. Best performing sector, travel and leisure shares currently up over 3%. Are people planning New Year's holidays in London. I'm Stephen Carroll, Bloomberg Daybreak. Okay, Stephen, thanks. Let's turn to Asia now, where stocks were mostly higher overnight, and we get the recap from Bloomberg's Rashad Salamat in Hong Kong. Hi, Karen and Nathan. Asian investors trying to find answers to three known unknowns, chiefly where inflation goes, what central bankers do about it further, and where China's COVID endemic leaves the economy. 
Benchmarks as a result had a seesaw session with the weak start being reversed in Hong Kong and China. South Korean equities also managed to claw back losses, finishing just below the gain line. The bulls decided to give Australian shares a miss today as banks and health-related issues drove the ASX to a 1.3% loss. Bank holiday in Tokyo saw no share or bond trading, however. It was the yen seizing the headlines. Its rapid climb against the dollar isn't abating with the currency hitting six-month highs and breaching the 130 level. In Hong Kong, I'm Rashad Salamath, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Rich, thank you. While COVID remains front and center in China, President Xi Jinping says the country is moving into a new phase in its COVID pivot. In his New Year address, President Xi warned of hard times ahead. With extraordinary efforts, China has prevailed over unprecedented difficulties and challenges and it has not been an easy journey for anyone. We have now entered a new phase of COVID response where tough challenges remain. Chinese President Xi Jinping did not acknowledge recent protests over COVID directly, but did say it's only natural for people to have different concerns and views on the issues. And Karen, President Xi isn't the only one seeing tough times ahead. IMF Managing Director Kristalina Georgieva is issuing a warning on the global economy. She expects one-third of the world to be in recession this year. Uh, We expect one-third of the world economy to be in recession. For most of the world economy, this is going to be a tough year, tougher than the year we leave behind. Why? Because the three big economies, U.S., EU, China, are all slowing down simultaneously. IMF Managing Director Kristalina Georgieva spoke on Face the Nation from CBS. You can catch the program every Sunday on Bloomberg Radio. Meantime in Washington, Nathan, a new Congress is seated today. That means it's time to select a new Speaker of the House. But as Bloomberg's Ed Baxter reports, this is not expected to be a coronation. Kevin McCarthy's chances remain in doubt. With the Republicans only holding a slender majority in the new House, McCarthy cannot lose more than four GOP votes in his bid. And the latest tallies have more than that not committed to him. And two have already said there is nothing that McCarthy can do to get their votes. Coming out of meetings held over the weekend, predictions of multiple rounds with fierce negotiation going on in the interim. McCarthy has been endorsed by Donald Trump, which complicates things for the GOP, with a good number of the party trying to move away from Trump. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ed, thanks. Turning to corporate news this morning, we are seeing more downbeat data from Tesla. The shares are down about 4% in early trading after the company delivered fewer vehicles than expected in the fourth quarter. Bloomberg's Doug Krisner has the story. Worldwide deliveries totaled 405,278, but that missed the average Bloomberg estimate by more than 15,000 cars. Nonetheless, the quarterly figure is a record. CEO Elon Musk had predicted an epic end to the year. To clear inventory, Tesla offered discounts of $7,500 to U.S. consumers who took delivery in the final days of December. Well, now Tesla is offering incentives in China. Chinese buyers will get the equivalent of $1,450 on certain models if they take delivery by February 28th. In New York, I'm Doug Krisner, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Doug, thanks. Well, one of Musk's other companies is also in the spotlight this morning. According to CNBC, SpaceX is raising $750 million in new funding. That values the company at $137 billion. And this is Bloomberg. 
All right, Karen, thank you. It's 49 degrees in Central Park. Cloudy for now, but we expect rain for much of the day. Highs today in the upper 50s. We're going to stay in the mid-50s tonight as the rain starts to taper off. Now it's time to take a look at some of the other stories making news in New York and around the world. For that, we bring in Bloomberg's Michael Barr. Happy New Year, Michael. Happy New Year to you, Nathan. Prosecutors won a decades-long prison sentence for a man who was expected to plead guilty this week to opening fire in a subway car and wounding 10 riders in New York City. Frank James is scheduled to enter a guilty plea today in Brooklyn Federal Court, admitting that he was responsible for the April 12th attack. It set off a massive 30-hour manhunt that ended when the 63-year-old called the police on himself. Brazilian authorities plan to revive an old criminal case on fraud charges against George Santos. The representative-elect from Long Island takes his seat in Congress today. The prosecutor's office in Rio de Janeiro said the case against Santos stems from a 2008 incident regarding a stolen checkbook. Police in Pennsylvania say the man who shot and killed the police chief in Brackenridge has been in turn shot and killed by Pittsburgh police. Aaron Lamont Swan, who was 28, was wanted on a parole violation and fled from a traffic stop. Allegheny County Police Superintendent Christopher Kearns says Pittsburgh detectives spotted Swan's vehicle while checking known addresses where he might be. There was a car chase. The suspect crashed the car and fled into the woods. The officers quickly formed a perimeter. While forming the perimeter, the suspect ran from the wooded area. While fleeing from the officers, the suspect fired at the officers. Christopher Kearns with the Allegheny County Police says Chief Justice Justin Meyer, who was killed, was the definition of a community officer. The suspect in the New Year's Eve attack on three New York City police officers near Times Square has been arrested and charged with attempted murder. Police identified him as 19-year-old Trevor Bickford of Wells, Maine. Retired NYPD Chief of Detectives Robert Boyce says the heavy police presence on New Year's Eve is usually a successful deterrent. Now, of course, this is our biggest deployment of the year in New Year's Eve. We have the most officers out there. We have we have all kinds of frozen zones and uh, defined grids. It's not unusual at all to have several thousand police officers working that night. So we haven't had this for a while. Former NYPD chief Boyce spoke to ABC. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. All right, Michael, thanks. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update, brought to you by Tri-State Audi. For that, we bring in John Stashauer. Good morning, John. Good morning, Nathan. It was to be a big game between two of the NFL's best teams, but in the first quarter, the outcome of a football game seemed awfully insignificant. Buffalo safety, DeMar Hamlin, made a tackle, got up for a couple of seconds, and then fell backwards, and it was clear this was not a normal injury. He had gone into cardiac arrest, received CPR and oxygen. They were able to have his heartbeat restored but Hamlin is now in a Cincinnati hospital in critical condition. At one point, there was talk of resuming the game, but that did not last, although it was an hour and a half before the game was officially postponed. The Bills flew back to Buffalo. The NFL has not said when the game will be played. They played four bowl games. Penn State pulled away on Utah to win the Rose. LSU took the Citrus 63-7 to over Purdue. Mississippi State won its bowl game for Coach Mike Leach, who recently passed away, and an amazing Cotton Bowl win for Tulane. Trailed USC by 15 with just over four minutes left. Took its first lead with nine seconds left. Tulane won 46-45. Knicks back at the Garden helped Phoenix to only 11 first-quarter points. Beat the cold shooting Suns 102-83. 12th straight win for the Nets. 
Blowout of San Antonio at Barclays, 139-103. to In Cleveland's overtime win over Chicago, the Cavs' Donovan Mitchell scored 71 points, most in the NBA since Kobe Bryant's 81-point game in 2006. A year after Rutgers stunned number one-ranked Purdue, it happened again. Scarlet Knights won on the road, 65-64. Outdoor hockey on an unusually warm New Year's Day in Boston. The Bruins rallied past Pittsburgh 2-1. to They had a sellout crowd at Fenway Park. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports, Nathan. Okay, John, thanks. And Bloomberg Sports was brought to you by Audi. Don't let someone else drive off. And the Audi model you've always wanted. Visit your local tri-state Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours today or visit AudiOffers.com for more information. Kicking off the new year with gains across the board. S&P futures right now are up 40 points. Dow futures up 315. NASDAQ futures are higher by 127 points. Ten-year treasuries up one and 530 seconds for a yield of 3.73%. This is Bloomberg. And it's now uh, time to check in with Dennis Gartman, chairman of the uh, University of Akron Endowment Investment Committee, former publisher of the Gartman Letter, as we get 2023 started. Happy New Year, Dennis. It seems like investors are happy to put 2022 behind them. Is that what kind of explains the gains we're seeing across the board this morning? Well, it's interesting, Nathan. This is one of those rare days when you have gold higher, bonds higher, and stocks higher. One of them has to be wrong. Normally, they cannot move all in tandem one with the other. But perhaps it's just the fact that it's the start of the new year. We always see an influx of money come in in the first of the month or the first of the year. That happened exactly the same last year. The first day of the year was a was a, a rather substantive rally, and then it ended up being a bear market the, the day after. But it is rare to see both to see gold. Stocks and bonds all high, all higher and rather sharply higher. So as I said earlier, one of them probably is wrong. I think that stocks are probably the one that is wrong, but we'll see. Time shall tell. Well, what makes you say that, Dennis? I mean, you were one of the first to call this a bear market shortly after yeah. the uh, S&P 500 made its peak uh, one year ago today was its uh, last closing record. Uh, what makes you think things are going to be the same as they were last year? Is Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's basically what I'm saying. I think that this is just the the fact that we had it's the start of the year, the start of the month, and there's always a an influx of of capital that comes in, exactly a replication of what happened last year. The 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 problem is that we have uh, stock prices. I think have had an, an inordinately high, large rally in the course of the past month and a half, uh, predicated upon a, a the Fed uh, pivoting from uh, its tightening monetary policies, and I think that that's ill-advised to consider that fact. I think the Fed is going to continue to allow the overnight. Not allow, but but move the overnight Fed funds rate to five to five and a quarter percent over the course of the next several months. We'll see when we get to the the, the first FOMC meeting in February, but uh, time shall tell. The the uh, IMF has said that uh, we're going to have that one third of the world is going to be in recession over the course of the next uh, year or two. Uh, I think that that uh, will will weigh upon stock prices eventually. So again, it's unusual to see that we have stocks, bonds, and and, and gold rallying and on, all on the same day. Uh, one of them has to be wrong, and as I said, I think it's the stock market that is wrong. I think we're going to see a replication of what happened last year. Yeah, you mentioned uh, that call from the uh, the director of the IMF that a third yeah. of the world is going to be in a recession yeah. this year. Uh, do you include the U.S. in that third of the world? Basically, I think the U.S. is going to have a slowing economy. I'm not sure that we'll have a, a an official recession, two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth, such as what we had at the beginning of last year. But I think that the U.S. economy is going to be continuously slower than had been hoped for. 
and the Fed will 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 probably tighten for far too long. That's the tendency of the Fed is to be too too late in in tightening, too late in early or too early in in easing, or too late in easing. And I think that that's going to be the same circumstance this year. So we'll have a I don't think we'll have a a, a recession by normal textual. Uh, uh, definition, but I think we're going to see a, a weaker economy. Housing prices clearly are, are weakening. Housing demand is clearly weakening, and housing is a a dominant force in the U.S. economy. And I think that that's going to be the the major thing, the major problem that we'll have to deal with over the course of the next several months. If I remember uh, rightly, the last time we spoke, I think you said that uh, along with consensus that uh, the Fed is probably going to peak at five to five and a quarter percent. Is is that still your call? And do you think that the uh, Fed should? I mean, you already said that you think the Fed should probably be uh, pivoting sooner than expected. When do you think the Fed uh, should start thinking about reducing uh, the uh, the uh, terminal rate? Actually, I think what I said is that the Fed will be slow to, 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 to go to a pivot. If I've learned anything in 45 years of being in the market is that when the Fed begins to tighten monetary policy after easing or easing policy after tightening, it takes rates far farther, far higher or far lower and for a longer period of time than even the most radical among us want to believe. So I think the fact that the Fed will pivot eventually will be in 2024, not 2023. And if it's 2024, it'll probably be late into the year. The Fed will be, the Fed is slow to, to change policy. And once it changes, it keeps that new policy in, in effect for a much longer period of time and takes rates much farther than anybody wants to anticipate. So it'll be a long, a long period of time before the Fed pivots. Got about 30 seconds left in this segment, Dennis, but you yeah. said that the, uh, that you don't expect that there's going to be a technical recession for the U.S. How do you square that with the possibility that the Fed could keep rates, uh, higher for longer? <laughs> that, that, that is the, the prime question, isn't it? Time shall tell what what happens, how that how that plays out. But again, I think it'll be a long period of time before the Fed begins to pivot uh, to to lower rates. It'll 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 manufacture higher overnight Fed funds rate to five five and a quarter to five and a half percent, and then they'll stay stay at that level for a long period of time, just as they did when they eased uh, and kept rates at a low level for a long period of time. They'll do the same with high rates. They'll want to make sure that they see real definitive action, real definitive recessionary circumstances before they uh, uh, begin to begin to pivot. It'll be a long period of time. So be patient. All right. And we're going to continue this conversation with Dennis Gartman, former publisher of the Gartman Letter, now chair of the University of Akron Endowment Investment Committee in the minutes ahead here. So stay with us here on Bloomberg Daybreak as we watch investments rise across the board. Right now, S&P futures are up 36 points. Dow futures up 292. NASDAQ futures up 117 points. The 10-year Treasury up 1 and 4.30 seconds for a yield of 3.73%. This is Bloomberg. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures on the rise with other stocks like European shares, for instance, as signs of China's recovery and resilience in Europe stoke optimism about the global economy. Treasuries and the dollar also gaining. 
Check the markets all day long here on Bloomberg. Right now, S&P futures up 34 points or nine-tenths of a percent. Dow futures up eight-tenths of a percent or 278 points. And NASDAQ futures up nine-tenths of a percent or 103 points. So they're giving up some of their gains. The DAX in Germany is up 1.3 percent. Ten-year Treasury up one and five thirty seconds, yet 3.73 percent. The yield on the two-year, 4.34 percent. NYMEX crude oil is down about six-tenths of a percent or 50 cents at $79.75 a barrel. COMEX gold is is up 1% of $17.70 at 1844 an ounce. The euro 1.0549 against the dollar. British pound 1.1928. The yen 130.62. And looking at Bitcoin, it's down a tenth of a percent at about $16,700. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Karen. Representative Kevin McCarthy's chances of becoming House Speaker remain in doubt as Republicans formally take control of the chamber today. McCarthy can't lose more than four GOP votes in his bid for Speaker, and at least 14 Republicans still have not promised their support. Buffalo defensive back DeMar Hamlin is in critical condition early this morning after the Bills say he suffered a cardiac arrest on the field after a tackle. Monday night's game has been postponed against the Bengals. In the NBA, the Knicks, Nets, and Warriors won. Cavaliers beat the Bulls in OT. Cleveland's Donovan Mitchell scored 71 points. In the NHL, the Bruins won. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Nathan. All right, Michael. Thank you. It is uh, 523 on Wall Street. We are back now with Dennis Gartman, chairman of the University of Akron Endowment Investment Committee. Of course, former publisher of the Gartman Letter as we watch stocks, bonds, and gold rise in tandem on this first trading day of 2023. Dennis, if stocks are wrong... How much further do they have downward to go? I think they make a new low for the year, t- taking out last, uh, taking out the low that was made in late September, early October. I, I don't think they'll go much below there. Ten to fifteen percent from down from where we are right now would probably be sufficient to to turn me from being bearish of equities to being at least neutral, perhaps even bullish. So let's call it ten to fifteen percent from where we are right now. It's ama- it's interesting as we talked earlier. It's an unusual circumstance to see bonds, stocks, and gold. All rallying on the same time, the same day, at the same time, they're doing it at almost exactly the same amount, about eight percent, eight tenths of one percent across the board. So it's unusual and, and strange, and one of them has to be wrong. What's the catalyst that turns stocks from a bear market to a bull market for you? The Fed changing monetary policy, and that's going to be a long period of time before that happens. Again, as I said earlier, in the 45 years I've been in the markets and, and since graduate school. The one thing I've learned is that when the Fed changes monetary policy, moves from easing to tightening or tightening to easing, it takes rates much farther and for a longer period of time than the most radical among us want to believe. The Fed changed policy last year. It's going to take at least until late 2023, probably early 2024, before the Fed begins to pivot. And pivot means that they change from, from tightening to easing and actually let rates go lower. That's going to be a long period of time into the future. So I, 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 I'm going to be bearish on stocks for probably quite some more protected period of time. I've been buried since January 5th of last year, had the university move a good uh, 10 to 15% of its portfolio out of out of stocks into two-year notes. And that's, we, we got, let's call it, let's say we got very lucky. Are you looking for further inversion in the yield curve then with that view? Uh, what's your outlook for treasuries? I think two's tens goes back to 80 basis points again. It'll, it'll test that level. It, it seemed that there was a, for lack of a better term, resistance at about 80 to 82 basis points in, in the inversion, twos to tens, and I think we try to go back to that level before it's uh, before we're done uh, before the Fed is done tightening monetary policy. 
In our last minute here, Dennis, uh, gold hasn't really been the inflation hedge that it's been historically. Uh, do you see that changing in 23? Well, first of all, gold has been moving from the lower left to the upper right. It's broken out. It's done something unusual uh, in November. It had an outside reversal month, a new low, and then taking out the previous lows for the year, and then closing higher for the month, taking out the previous month's high at the same time. Outside reversal days are important. Outside reversal weeks are more important. Outside reversal months for technicians, and I'm not always a technician, but I watch the technical circumstances, are amongst the most important technical circumstances that you see. So I think gold is broken out to the upside, and I think uh, in my own account, I'm long gold and short the stock market. Today I'm I'm breaking even, but uh, over the course of the past month and a half, it's been the proper trade, and I'm going to any any correction in that I'm going to add to it, buying more gold, selling more stocks. As always, good to get your thoughts, Dennis. Uh, happier returns for 2023. It was Dennis Gartman, former publisher of the Gartman Letter, now chair of the University of Akron Endowment Investment Committee. And Bloomberg Daybreak is brought to you by Innovation Refunds, that small businesses affected by the COVID-19 pandemic may qualify for the employee retention credit. Let Innovation Refunds do the work. To find out now if your organization qualifies for ERC assistance, they've already helped businesses claim more than $2 billion in payroll tax refunds. Learn more at GetRefunds.com. Got your top stories, local headlines, to check of markets. Up next, first, your weather forecast. Cloudy skies across the tri-state area today. There'll be some rain developing as the morning goes on. High temperatures today, a mild 55 to 60. Rain ends early during the evening. Lows overnight, they'll be 50 to 55. Tomorrow, look for scattered showers and periods of rain. Mild temperatures will be close to 60 tomorrow afternoon. A few showers on Thursday with a high of 50 to 55. I'm Rob Carolyn with your three-day forecast on Bloomberg 1130. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991. To Boston. Bloomberg 1061. To San Francisco. Bloomberg 960. To the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Coming up on 530 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow, and we are just about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. As investors leave 2022 in the rearview mirror, we begin the trading year with gains for equities, accompanied by uncertain market sentiment. Bloomberg's Steve Rappaport joins us live with that story. Steve, good morning. Good morning, Karen and Nathan. Futures point to a good start for equities after they lost 20% in value during a tumultuous year. Investors are wading into 2023 with uncertainty, but with that comes potential opportunity. IEQ Advisors co-CEO Alan Zafrin. You should be slowly, methodically buying into the weakness because inevitably the economy will bottom, the Fed will pivot, people will look forward to much better growth in 2024. And once that happens, Zafrin predicts investors will be off to the races again. Live in New York, I'm Steve Rappaport, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Steve, thanks. Turning overseas, COVID remains front and center in China. President Xi Jinping says his country's moving into a new phase as it continues its COVID pivot. In a New Year address, she warned of hard times ahead. With extraordinary efforts, China has prevailed over unprecedented difficulties and challenges. 
and it has not been an easy journey for anyone. We have now entered a new phase of COVID response where tough challenges remain. Chinese President Xi Jinping did not acknowledge recent protests over COVID directly, but he did say it's only natural for people to have different concerns and views on issues. While Nathan IMF Managing Director Kristalina Georgieva also sees tough times ahead, she expects one-third of the world to fall into recession this year. This is going to be a tough year, tougher than the year we leave behind. Why? Because the three big economies, U.S., EU, China, are all slowing down. IMF Managing Director Kristalina Georgieva speaking on CBS's Face the Nation. Catch the program Sunday afternoons on Bloomberg Radio. Turning to a big day in D.C., Karen, we will see a new Congress seated and a new Speaker of the House selected, though the latter is expected to be a showdown. Kevin McCarthy is in line to be Speaker, but he can't afford to lose more than four GOP votes. Several Republicans still have not promised their support. And if McCarthy is not elected, we could see a multi-ballot vote to determine the next House Speaker. That hasn't happened since 1923. And Nathan, on a corporate note this morning, Tesla delivered a record number of vehicles in the fourth quarter, but still missed estimates. Elon Musk's electric car company offered discounts to U.S. consumers who took deliveries in the final days of December to clear inventory and is doing the same in China. Tesla shares are down about 3.6 percent in early trading. And futures are higher. S&P futures up about 35 points, up nine-tenths of a percent. Dow futures up nine-tenths of a percent or 200. 83 points and Nasdaq futures up 1% or 107 points. The 10-year Treasury up 1 and 3.30 seconds, yield 3.74%. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines plus a check of sports and this is Bloomberg. Thanks, Karen. It's 531 on Wall Street. And Michael Barr is here with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. George Santos, the Republican congressman-elect from New York, faces new legal trouble after he admitted lying about much of his resume. Prosecutors in Brazil now say that they are reopening a fraud case against Santos in connection with the stolen check used in the country back in 2008. The case was suspended until now because police could not find Santos. A man facing first-degree murder charges in the slayings of four University of Idaho students is not expected to fight extradition at a hearing today in Pennsylvania. Brian Koberger was taken into custody late last week by state police at his parents' home in the Poconos. C.C. Moore is an expert on DNA testing. In a very personal, intimate, violent crime like this one, it's virtually impossible not to leave your DNA behind. We have such sensitive equipment now. You could leave behind touch DNA, and that could be enough to perform this type of analysis. DNA expert CeCe Moore. The man accused of shooting up a New York City subway in Brooklyn is scheduled to plead guilty to federal terrorism charges. Frank James, who is 63, will appear in federal court this afternoon. Prosecutors say during the April 12th attack, James set off smoke bombs before he opened fire on an end train as it approached the Sunset Park station. At least 22 people were injured after a car crash into a building in Manhattan last night. Authorities say the injuries are not life-threatening. The Vatican estimates 65,000 people filed past the body of Pope Benedict yesterday, lying in state. Ukrainian mourner was among the faithful at the Vatican. The biggest wish that uh, I would like uh, for my family now is uh, the war to stop. Benedict died Saturday at age 95. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. Okay, Michael. Thank you.
533 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update brought to you by Tri-State. Audi, here's John Stanshower. Thanks, Nathan. Buffalo Bills safety DeMar Hamlin is in a Cincinnati hospital. He's in critical condition. The Bills are back in Buffalo. It's not known when their game, but the Bengals will be played. It happened in the first quarter. A catch by the Bengals, T. Higgins, a tackle by Hamlin, only 24 years old. He fell backwards. He had gone into cardiac arrest. CPR was given. After 16 minutes, Hamlin finally left the field in an ambulance. It was clear neither team was going to be able to continue playing. The game, a big one in the AFC standings, was postponed. Cincinnati was leading 7-3. to Season finale Sunday for the Jets visiting Miami. Battle of teams who both lost five in a row. The Dolphins are still in it for a playoff berth, but they need help. Miami will again be without quarterback Toa Tungvaloa. The Jets coach, Robert Salas, said he still has full confidence in his much-maligned offensive coordinator, Mike LaFleur. The playoff-bound Giants Sunday visit Philadelphia. Eagles needing the win to secure the NFC's one seed. The Eagles hoping to get their QB, Jalen Hurts, back from injury. Knicks at the Garden beat Phoenix, 102-83. For Julius Randle, 28 points, 16 rebounds. Jalen Brunson back from a hip injury, scored 24. Easy win for the Red Hot Nets. 139 to 103 over San Antonio and now 12 wins in a row for Brooklyn. Speaking of red hot, Cleveland's Donovan Mitchell scored 71 points in an overtime win for the Cavs over Chicago. College hoops, Rutgers stunned top ranked Purdue, winning by one on the road. The Scarlet Knights also beat Purdue when they were ranked number one a year ago. John Stash, our Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? Okay, John, thanks. And the Bloomberg Sports Report was brought to you by Audi. Don't let someone else drive off in the Audi model. You've always wanted. Visit your local Tri-State Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours today or visit AudiOffers.com for more information. 535 on Wall Street. Time now for the Tri-State Business Report with Bloomberg's Ed Corey. A strike by thousands of New York City nurses is still possible, even as nurses at New York Presbyterian reached a tentative agreement hours before their contract was set to expire. Contract talks with seven other hospitals will resume this week to avert a strike by 12,000 other nurses in the city. New York's gasoline tax holiday was swept out with the old at the end of 2022. The new year also brings higher tolls on the New Jersey Turnpike and the Garden State Parkway. They went up 3% bringing the price of a ride from one end of the turnpike to the other to 20 bucks at peak times or on weekends. Open enrollment for the state health insurance marketplace known as Get Covered New Jersey runs until January 31st. NJ Spotlight reports overall enrollment is up by 4% compared to this time last year. 287,000 residents signed up for coverage back then, according to the New Jersey Department of Banking and Insurance. That's your Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Ed Corey. Thanks, Ed. It's 536 on Wall Street. The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. In many states, if you want to change jobs and work as a carpenter or bartender, manicurist, auctioneer, coach, or tour guide, you need a professional license. Of course, licensing makes sense for many jobs. Few would argue that doctors or pilots, for instance, should go without them. But requiring, say, florists to earn similar qualifications as Louisiana does is onerous and ridiculous. And it's strange that rules affecting millions of ordinary workers, roughly one in five nationwide, vary so widely from state to state. These nonsensical state licensing requirements should be scrapped. A fractured labor market isn't just bad for the economy in some abstract sense. It keeps people who want to work unemployed and renders what should be valuable skills and experience worthless. It's cruel and pointless, and a scandal that's been tolerated far too long. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. 
For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash opinion or OPIN Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. And you can hear Bloomberg Opinion editorials every weekday at this time. Terminal customers can read more at OPIN Go. And if you haven't seen the new Avatar sequel... You might want to hop on that bandwagon. Avatar The Way of Water is poised to become 2022's top-selling movie after leading U.S. and Canadian box offices for a third weekend in a row. Walt Disney Productions made $1.38 billion worldwide since its release on December 16th. It's on track to surpass the $1.49 billion that uh, Paramount's Top Gun Maverick raked in in the year gone by. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow, and U.S. stock index futures are on the rise this morning as signs of China's recovery and resilience in Europe stoke optimism about the global economy. And we check the markets all day long here on Bloomberg. S&P futures up 35 points or nine-tenths of a percent. Dow futures up eight-tenths of a percent or 279 points. And NASDAQ futures up one percent or 113 points. They are off the highs of the session. The DAX in Germany is up one and a quarter percent. Ten-year Treasury up one and three thirty seconds. 3.74% and the yield on the two-year 4.34%. NYMEX crude oil is down 1.1% on 84 cents at $79.42 a barrel. COMEX gold up 9 tenths percent or $16.10 at 1842 an ounce. The euro 1.0539 against the dollar. British pound 1.1913. The yen 130.59 and Bitcoin is down a tenth of a percent. It's at about $16,700. And that's a Bloomberg business flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, Republicans say control of the House today, but there's uncertainty over who will be Speaker. Representative Kevin McCarthy can only afford to lose four GOP votes and more than a dozen have not promised their support. In the NBA, the Knicks, Nets, and Warriors won. Cavaliers beat the Bulls in OT 145-134. Cleveland's Donovan Mitchell scored 71 points. In the NHL, the Bruins won. Buffalo defensive back DeMar Hamlin remains in critical condition early this morning after the Bills say he suffered a cardiac arrest on the field after a tackle. Monday night's game has been postponed against the Bengals. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts, more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. Okay, Michael, thanks. It's 542 on Wall Street. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. I'm Nathan Hager, along with Karen Moscow, taking a look at some of the other stories making news on this first trading day of 2023. After a dismal year for equity investors, Wall Street returns to a holiday-shortened trading week, and many of the same issues that hobbled last year's returns. Let's get more on that from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. Familiar themes include a hawkish Federal Reserve recession fears and ongoing geopolitical concerns, and that is raising questions about the outlook for corporate earnings. Eric Knudsen is multi-asset class chief investment officer at Newberger Berman. Bottom-up consensus Wall Street forecasts are still expecting earnings in 2023 at about $230 a share, up 4-ish percent. Our view is that earnings have to come down from that $230 target. Among the companies reporting this week will be Constellation Brands and Walgreens Boots Alliance. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak. 
All right, Charlie, thank you. Well, Scion Asset Management's founder, Michael Burry, is adding to the gloom about the coming year. Burry tweeted that the U.S. was in recession, quote, by any definition. The investor, who became famous after being depicted in the movie The Big Short, added that any government stimulus would cause a second spike in inflation. Well, let's look at another government overseas, Karen. There's more trouble this morning for U.K. Prime Minister Rishi Sunak. British rail workers are walking off the job for much of this week. They're going to strike for five days starting tomorrow. Nurses and ambulance drivers are also planning to strike later this month. The unions are demanding bigger pay hikes to deal with that record inflation. Well, Nathan, we're also watching China-U.S. relations this morning. China's new foreign minister is offering praise for Americans after stepping down as ambassador to the U.S. It's a sign that ties between the two nations appear to be improving despite tensions over Taiwan. The foreign minister tweeted that he was deeply impressed by so many hardworking Americans. He pledged to help build a stronger relationship with the U.S. All right, let's turn back to this market this morning. We're getting the uh, trading year kicked off here with gains pretty much across the board, but uh, we do still have many of those issues that Charlie Pellet mentioned in that report just a few minutes ago. Let's bring in Joe Quinlan uh, to get this trading year started, head of CIO Market Strategy at Merrill and Bank of America Private Bank. Joe, good morning. It is green on the screen with uh, just about every investment you can think of. Is is this the Santa Claus rally come a, a, maybe a week or so late? Uh, perhaps, Nathan, that we, we missed out on it. But, you know, January, the inflows are pretty strong anyways in the equities with the institutions, some of the repositioning. So we're off to a good start, at least early morning here. But there, as you just mentioned, a lot of choppiness, volatility to work through in the next couple of months. So, you know, buckle up. It's still really rough out there. Yeah. What's going to be the uh, the biggest catalyst for that roughness that we could be in store for? Well, the early on will be the employment report on Friday. How strong is the economy, the labor market? Is there any slack building, uh, the tone from the Fed? And then we really get into earnings. And it, as we just heard, earnings estimates for this year are still too high. But they're going to come down. Everyone knows that. So there's a lot of kind of these, these bad news is priced in. So we can, I think, go sideways. But we need a catalyst, whether it's a, a, really a big break in the CPI, any kind of clarity in Ukraine. And the good news, China is reflating, reopening. So that's a positive for global growth. Well, how much further do you think earnings need to come down? Well, our estimate from the top of the house, $200 uh, earnings per share. So, you know, if they're $230, uh, there's a big gap of what we think versus what the consensus still is holding on to. So, I, but I do think when you talk to a lot of big institutional investors, sovereign wealth funds, they know estimates are coming down. And that's why it's a very sector stock picking type of market, which makes adds to the volatility and, and the angst in and around investing in equities. You mentioned uh, the, the positive situation around China. Do you expect that to continue into the new year? Is there a possibility that as we start to see that reopening unfold, uh, that the virus could uh, be something of a black swan for the Chinese reopening? It, it could be, Nathan, because remember, you know, the Chinese were locked down forcibly. They didn't have a choice. Now, I've got a lot of friends over there. They don't want to come out because they fear the virus, exactly to your point. But I do think over, the say, the first half of the year, the Chinese consumer is going to be out. And the Chinese consumer is very important. So we're repositioning luxury brands, travel and leisure, uh, energy. So I think that's kind of the effect, the follow-through you're going to see from that Chinese consumer gradually stepping out and getting back to normal. 
Since you mentioned uh, sector plays, uh, what other sectors are you looking at uh, to potentially outperform in 2023? You know, unfortunately, it, it, it's the world we live in. We still like defense. Defense spending globally is a growth industry, a top $2 trillion in 2021. It continues to grow, cybersecurity. And then we're still hanging on to the energy trade, just the, the underinvestment, the underlying demand with the green revolution. So minerals, metals, commodities, luxury brands, travel and leisure, still playing defense with health care for sure. So there's places to put some money to work here in the early part of this year. And you also mentioned the uh, jobs report is going to be the first uh, major piece of economic data that we have to look at before the Fed's next meeting, the first day of February. Uh, what's your expectation on what we're going to see uh, from the labor market, given uh, the continued uh, strength that we've seen in labor uh, over the last several months here? Well, I expect a pretty good, robust report, all things considered. We keep talking about recession, recession, recession. But every company I talk to, small, medium, and large, they're looking for workers. And we saw a lot of headline tech workers being laid off. But many of those folks, they're already back to work. They already have offers, and they're, they're, they're back doing what they're doing. So I think the market, labor market, is, in, is not going to cooperate with Jay Powell. It's, it's pretty tight still because there is a premium on holding labor, finding labor. And that's that, we have, that hasn't passed yet. Does that make the job more difficult for the Fed, uh, given that uh, when you have a strong labor market, there's that possibility that uh, wage pressures continue to uh, put uh, more pressures on prices? Exactly. Nathan, in, in terms of the wage, it's all about the wages, you know, average hourly earnings. What are they running at year over year, month to month? Uh, how much are we going to see kind of any types of union strikes, uh, pushback from the labor market? So that's going to be key. Labor costs are sticky. Right. There's a lot of talk of deflation, but I don't see deflation coming out of the labor market anytime soon. And that's that's the biggest the Fed's biggest challenge, uh, walking that balance between slowing the economy down and bringing down wages at the same time. All right, Joe, thanks for this, as always. And uh, happy new year to you. That's Joe Quinlan, head of CIO market strategy at Merrill and Bank of America Private Bank. Looking at the market this morning, uh, traders are. Piling back in, S&P futures right now, they're up 37 points. Dow futures are up 295, and NASDAQ futures are higher by 122 points. Seeing big moves in the bond space as well, with the 10-year Treasury up 1 and 3.30 seconds. The yield, 3.74%, and the yield on the two-year right now, close to 4.35%. NYMEX crude's moving lower now. It's down 1% at at $79.00. 49 cents a barrel. And Comex Gold is up 8 tenths percent, up $15.1841.10 for an ounce of gold. This is Bloomberg. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow, and futures are on the rise this morning. We check the markets all day long here on Bloomberg. S&P futures have 38 points, or 1%. Dow futures have nine-tenths of a percent, or 297 points. And NASDAQ futures have 1.2%, or 128 points. The DAX in Germany is up 1.4%. Ten-year Treasury up one and three-thirty seconds, yield 3.74%. The yield on the two-year, 4.34%. NYMEX crude oil is down 1.1%, down 86 cents at 70. 
$79.40 a barrel. Comex gold up 8 tenths percent or $14.80 at 1841 an ounce. The euro 1.0536 against the dollar. British pound 1.1911. The yen 130.66. And bitcoins down a tenth of a percent at about $16,730. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Nathan. Okay, Karen, thanks. It's 556 on Wall Street. Time for our daily Bloomberg Law Brief exploring legal issues in the news. Today we look at what the year ahead will bring for cryptocurrency regulation. Bloomberg's David Weston spoke about that with Cornell economics professor Eswar Prasad. So it's worth thinking about the questions about crypto as we headed into 2022, David. One was, is crypto a durable asset class? Second, could crypto perhaps even serve as a hedge against inflation? And third, would crypto technology in the form of decentralized finance actually help to democratize finance by giving more people easy access to products and services and serve as a challenge to traditional financial uh, institutions? On the first, the answer seems to be apparently not. Crypto seems to be a very volatile asset class. It seems to be buffeted by the same macroeconomic factors as other risky assets, but is much riskier. And certainly there is no evidence as of now that Bitcoin or other decentralized cryptocurrencies can serve as an effective hedge against inflation. And then there is the question whether the technology can really help to democratize finance by creating new financial products and services giving new players easy entry into the financial system, allowing them to compete with traditional financial institutions, that promise hasn't been realized so far. What we've seen so far is a lot of financial engineering, a lot of people who are not really able to take on those risks, taking on a lot of risks, and basically a lot of retail investors getting hurt. And the one big takeaway really is that decentralized finance, especially Bitcoin and other decentralized cryptocurrencies, are not as decentralized as we had taught them to be. So, for instance, um, there are centralized exchanges like FTX, which has just collapsed, or Binance, the largest uh, cryptocurrency exchange, where there are lots of vulnerabilities lurking. So if you cannot trade or custody crypto assets in a durable way, in a secure way, it doesn't seem to me that this is going to be really a durable asset class for the future. And that was Eswar Prasad, economics professor at Cornell University, speaking with Bloomberg's David Weston. Catch Balance of Power with David Weston weekdays from noon to 2 Wall Street time here on Bloomberg Radio. And attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com and on the Bloomberg Terminal at BLaw Go. Karen. Well, Nathan, some other legal stories we're watching this morning. South Korea is fining Tesla $2.2 million. The penalty comes from alleged violations of advertising law. South Korea's Fair Trade Commission says Tesla falsely promoted and exaggerated the driving range and charging speed of its electric cars, as well as the estimated savings on fuel costs. And in India, Karen, the new year will see a bevy of legal hearings, including fights over same-sex marriage and antitrust issues focused on Google. Later this week, India's top court hears pleas by gay couples seeking legal recognition of same-sex marriages under India's statute for marriage. And Google's run-in with India's antitrust laws will play out before the National Company Law Appellate Tribunal this week. Google is challenging a $274 million penalty for allegedly abusing its dominant position on its Android mobile software and app store. Right now, S&P futures are up 36 points. Dow futures are higher by 285, and NASDAQ futures are on the rise by 122 points. Ten-year Treasury is up one and four thirty seconds for a yield of 3.73%. 
NYMEX crude is uh, sinking, now down 1.8% or $1.38 at $78.88 a barrel. We'll check your business headlines, all the news you need to start your day. Hour 2 of Bloomberg Daybreak starts right now. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.